Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. March 12, 2011, the Staples Center Pac-10 Championship game, the 16th-ranked Arizona Wildcats against the underdog Washington Huskies. 40 seconds left in regulation, down four points. Husky legend Isaiah Thomas, IT, chases down a long rebound and steps into a 23-foot three-pointer. Thomas grabs it, didn't touch the rim, Isaiah, oh! 62. Arizona with the lead in the ball, they break the press and find Pac-10 regular season MVP Derek Williams wide open on the wing. He drives, Euro steps, takes the foul, and makes the layup. Big time answer. Arizona back to a four-point lead. Isaiah gets the ball again. Drives left, dribbles behind his back, sucks in the defense, and fires a pass to the corner for a wide-open Terrence Ross three-pointer. In the corner, it's up, and good for Terrence Ross. 66-65, 17 seconds to go. Good for Terrence Ross. Washington still down one. They foul to extend the game. Arizona makes both free throws. Wildcats back to a three-point lead. And here comes Isaiah a third time. He brings the ball up court, crosses over, beats his man into the lane. The defense collapses again, and IT fires a pass to the other corner for another wide-open three. Count it, and we're headed to the first overtime in Pac-10 Tournament Championship history. With 30 seconds left in OT, Washington now has the three-point lead, but Arizona has the ball. The Huskies are in a zone defense, good thinking, so the Wildcats swing it to the wing and let it fly. Horn, try to get a good look. Karam does. Damn! What a shot! And we're tied at 75 again. Isaiah gets the ball one last time. Shot clock turned up. Game clock at eight. He's got to do it himself. That is March Madness. This is First Ballot. Welcome to First Ballot, the podcast that celebrates the moments in sports that really matter and inducts them into the First Ballot Hall of Fame. I am your host, Neil, the long-lost Gasol brother, the podcast Jordan Clarkson, 
the iHeartRadio Jamal Crawford, Sir Podzalot, the half-Filipino, half-Jewish, overly opinionated Jason Terry. Let's keep it moving. Today's episode <laughs> of the First Ballot Hall of Fame podcast could be sponsored by the Easton Black Magic Baseball Bat. Were you a child years ago who played baseball? Were you I mean, anything? <laughs> were you anything like me? Were you bad at the sport, but you desperately wanted to be good? Did you have no money growing up, or were your parents at least smart enough to not waste money on something you wouldn't use that much, or probably never really use effectively? Well, if that's you, then you're like me, and all you ever wanted was an Easton Black Magic baseball bat. Listen, I know it's not wood, and that's imperfect, but the Easton Black Magic was and is the coolest baseball bat on the planet. First off, it's black. It's it's actually black and gold, which goes way harder it's also nicknamed the Black Magic, which kicks a ton of ass. Anyways, go out and finally get the baseball bat you've wanted your entire life and hit some dingers. The Easton Black Magic. For the finest in aluminum baseball bats, go Easton today. Easton, hook me up. Pay your boy. Isaiah Thomas's game-winning Pac-10 championship-winning buzzer beater is for sure a terrific sports moment. But is it a first ballot Hall of Famer? That's a different plateau. We have to decide that today, and here to do it with me is a very special guest. He's the self-described many-time Grammy-losing music producer who's worked with artists like Drake, Future, Travis Scott, J. Cole, T.I., Snoop, and now getting to my favorites, E-40, Keek the Sneak, and De La Soul, Rock, rock Cocaine Flow Forever, he was the in-house production for <laughs> he produced he produced the track Three Kings for the legendary trio Rick Ross, Jay-Z, and Dr. Dre. He also released his own albums, White Van Music and the Stimulus Package in 2008 and 2010, respectively. He's the creator and host of the very entertaining Behind the Beat series on YouTube, featuring the stories behind the music he made. He's also now ha one half of the popular electronic funk group Tuxedo, along singer-songwriter Meyer Hawthorne. For today's purposes, he's a proud Seattlean or Seattleite or whatever you call people from Seattle, and an even prouder alumnus of the University of Washington. And not to reduce his career to just one song, but he did produce this little chestnut <laughs> for John Felix Anthony Cena. It's the impossibly talented producer extraordinaire, Snare Jordan himself, Mr. Jake Uno. Oh, holy shit. <laughs> this song is never stopping. Oh, my God. Oh, Jake, stop. Don't even bother talking. I'm just playing this song for the next hour. Oh, my God. Yeah. Jake, you produce, you made that song. I made that beat, yeah. Jake, yeah. <laughs> hold on for my goddamn money. That is the best entrance music of all time. Do you hear what I'm saying? That is the best wrestling entrance music of all time. I'm sure, Jake, that you have a lot of other amazing credits. I just ran through a bunch. I believe you won a fucking Grammy. But in a very first ballot Hall of Fame way, that track, this track, 
It matters. You might have more successful work, but nothing is more important than this. I cannot thank you enough. Right out of the gate. What's it like? You haven't said a word. I'm like 15 minutes in. You haven't said a word. (laughs) What's it like to produce John Cena? Are you in the booth with him? Tell me about making that song. Man, uh, I never was in the booth with with John. Um, John was actually a cameo in, I don't know what year this was, but early 2000s and um, my manager at the time met him um, my manager walt and uh he gave him beats and that was one of the beats oh my god it really just happened like that i think i did six songs for him at the time but some of the other ones were really bad um that one was good <laughs> you know what i mean like it just and it's, you, it's just crazy it's been like 20 years and this shit's oh still my going god. You know? Th- that song is moving i mean i don't yeah. want to be like i'm not i'm not I'm trying not to be funny about it i'm really yeah. not i mean it's it, it it's it's legitimately funny and bizarre it's all it's all things at once like oh i mean there's God, no way so you could have told me when we did that that uh you know my daughter would care about that more than yes, any of the other songs right. you know it's just like went generational Ugh. and it's memes and somebody Ugh. sends me something every week where somebody recreates it or we're just like <laughs> how the fuck did this happen you know that's why oh my thinking. god that's what yeah. a thrill i can't believe For this show, it's the type of thing where I go, my God, that I can now tell someone. Uh, We had a music producer on to talk about the sports moment, which I love that idea. I love like getting media professionals on to talk about sports moments. But to be able to say he's this incredible rap producer, this incredible music producer. Oh, and also he made the John Cena thing. That means so much to the show. I'm I'm thrilled that you're here. Thanks so much for being on the show. Um, When you make that song initially... do, do you is are you just you know in your creative space and you're making a beat and you don't know what it's going to be like what what are you thinking it's going to become i mean i think at that time i was just every beat i made was just hopefully to get to a bigger place so right. i honestly you could not have told me in any possibility it'd be a wrestling theme let alone for a wrestler <laughs> that wasn't what we were going for but I remember when I heard it, I was like, man, this shit ain't bad. Like, he's actually not <laughs> bad on this. I think that was, like, the shocking thing, right? You're like, because, <laughs> yeah. and then, like, you know, I saw him, like, man, this dude got jorts on, and it, it just looked, it looked so cartoonish, you know what I mean? Um, and then it, like, just touched people like this. I never would have seen that coming, but, um, yeah, I mean, I can't say any of the songs I've made, I tried to, like, do it for any particular person. I just I just sit in my area and do my shit, and then we figure the rest of it out later. Oh, my God, that's so cool. Uh, in a way, I, I mean, I'm not, like, the biggest John Cena fan. I'm not, like, the biggest wrestling guy. I love it, but I don't know it. When I looked at John Cena, and again, maybe it's when it landed on me and how old I was, I saw him as a little corny. And in a way, the song, the track kind of legitimized him because you can't <laughs> hear that and not go oh shit like it's so good the horns are so right good. right Anyways, um this episode of the show executive produced by a friend of yours and the first ballot podcast number one fan matthew hollister yeah he put us together he's a a, a lead designer over at google listens to the show i really appreciate him he mes- messaged me and was like you gotta have my guy jake on the show mm-hmm. 
talk about Isaiah, this Isaiah Thomas right. moment. I was like, I, to be frank, I'm not the biggest college basketball fan. I do. I enjoy it. I do find it to be an inferior product to the NBA. So it I is. immediately it went is. and I watched the moment, was super excited about doing this, yeah. super excited about having you on as a guest. Matthew said, I he want to read a quote that he sent me about you. He said, quote, Jake has a legit ratchet. He pulls up fast <laughs> and from deep and shoots a high percentage. Is this true? Can you confirm that, Jake? I mean, it's pretty accurate. I can't really do much <laughs> else out there. But, yeah, I can shoot, I can shoot it. I mean, it's funny you mentioned Jason Terry. I grew up playing with him. He's from my neighborhood. So. Oh, my yeah, gosh. I mean, Seattle, we have many NBA players. And, like, yes. um, it's crazy just watching these guys come up. I mean, I grew up playing basketball. So, you know, I played against some guys that were good. But the later generation, I never would have seen, you know, yeah. all these guys come from Jamal on. Um, and then being friends with them, it's a trip. Like, I, you know. I think everybody, like all the rappers and producers want to be athletes and the athletes all want to be, you know, do music and stuff. So there's that like commonality where, you know, I, I, you know, I really want to know I'm more of a basketball fan probably than I am of making beats at this point. I'm, I don't feel like making beats all the time. Like, but I do watch basketball all the time. I mean, we go to high school games. Me and Matt actually have UW tickets, um, which has been a, been a, uh, it's been a bad experience, uh, no lie, but you know. I live like a mile from the stadium, so it's pretty easy to get there. Um, who is your NBA player comp? Who did you play like? Um, well, I mean, it's Dale Ellis. You know, I, I, I mean, Dale Ellis. All right, so <laughs> one of my favorite players ever. But awesome. I, love I have a great story about Dale Ellis. Kind of sad and great. Oh. Uh, a friend of mine's dad bought Dale Ellis's probation, like charity function he was supposed to do. So he had got a DUI. I don't remember what happened. Anyways, he had to do some sort of charity work. And somehow it was auctioned off. And my friend's dad bought this. So I spent like a afternoon in like 1991 shooting with Dale Ellis. Oh, my God. And I have God. a picture of it. I actually oh have a picture God. of it. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. I love Dale Ellis as a kid. He was one of my favorite. I mean, I think of like any great shooter. I sort of think of. Dale Ellis may have been the first guy that I go, he's a great shooter and that's what he does. And that's why he's right. in the league. Like he is in my, and head. they did, you know, they didn't even let guys shoot. Right. And threes a game. I can't even imagine how many points he would have scored, you know, like in today's game, because he was shooting from NBA three when that wasn't a regular thing. And he shot mm -hmm. a high percentage. Um, great player to watch. You know, I, you know, as a kid, I, I love the X-Men and all those teams, you know, from the Sonics, obviously. That's my childhood. Well, let's get into it. Let's set the table. What's your favorite sport, your favorite team, and your favorite athlete of all time? Uh, my favorite sport is definitely basketball. Um, you know, it's weird. I don't know if I have a favorite basketball player. Like, it's the eras are so different, but my first favorite basketball player was, was X-Man, Xavier McDaniel. Um, <laughs> what a great answer. You should stop right there. <laughs> I mean, just the, his combo of, like, being powerful and skilled mm -hmm. early on before he got hurt, he kind of turned into a goon later on, but um, he just, you know, he used to dunk on people. He had the turnaround jumper. That's why, you know, I'd go out, go out and try to do the turnaround jumper and get yelled at <laughs> by my coach. I mean, you know, it's, it's, that's what makes you your favorite player. <laughs> that's the truth. Um, yep. Sonics are always going to be my favorite team. Obviously we don't have them. So um, I guess, you know, UW basketball is probably my favorite basketball team, but that's, it's it's been a rough 
existence doing that. I mean, we have so few bright moments, um, especially considering the talent we've had that, you know, that's probably why the IT thing was so special, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. I love the one thing I love about guys from Seattle that play basketball and again, maybe it's other sports as well, but all of like the Seattle basketball guys really seem to rep the city, really claim sure. Seattle. Yeah. Uh, I really appreciate that. If it sounds like you guys are going to get the Sonics back here soon, will it, I mean, will you be able to fall back saying. into it? Will, will you oh, be yeah, able to accept yeah, yeah. Okay. I will enjoy having a bad NBA team. Like I don't care. <laughs> it's fine with me. Like I'm good with that. Um, you know, I, I I remember being excited about, you know, Vladimir Radmanovich or whatever random scrubs we had. <laughs> nah, he could be great. You know, he's probably never going to be great. But, you know, that's part of, like, having a team, right? You, yes. And and since they left, I've just become more of a wide net NBA fan and mostly just rooting against OKC. Right. Um, that's probably my number one thing. I became a Clipper fan when Jamal was there because that was just fun. I mean, I always hated the Lakers, so it, – <laughs> The like the Clippers got good, and then I was friends with somebody on the team. That was pretty amazing. So I actually just went to the uh, Clippers Lakers game in L.A. Um, when was that? Like two weeks ago. Oh, okay. yeah, I sat like but... right behind the Clipper bench. I was throwing up the three point gang signs. I felt like I was in the game. It was great. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> amazing. Uh, all right, Jake. Let's dive into our moment so that we can get through it, and I can talk about your amazing career. That's why I just want to blaze through this Isaiah Thomas stuff uh, to decide whether Isaiah's game-winning, championship-winning buzzer beater goes into the first ballot Hall of Fame, we have to go through our first ballot Hall of Fame credentials. Those are the categories by which we judge every moment. The first category, as always, analytics. Those are the stats, the numbers oh, behind shit. this moment. I'm going to go through a bunch of stats. Jake, if you have any uh, questions, if you have any comments, feel, feel okay. free to interject. All right. Isaiah Thomas played all 45 minutes. Every minute of the game he played, 40 in regular uh, five and OT in those 45 minutes, Isaiah has 28 points on 10 of 16 shooting four of seven from three, four of seven from the stripe, five boards, seven assists, two steals. He does have five turnovers. I don't know if that's going to matter. He won the PAC 10 tournament MVP for the second year in a row. This was his third game in three days. He hits the game winner in the 45th minute of overtime to win it. PAC 10 championship and the first PAC 10 championship uh, in conference history to require an overtime. Your thoughts on those stats so far? I mean, just from my memory of watching the game, I just don't think you could play a better game as a point guard in, in that situation. I mean, <laughs> our team also didn't have, like, other creators necessarily, so it was right. really just on him. It was just, right. you know, Romar's offense was basically give the ball to your best player and pray. And luckily that year we had a dude that was that good that we right. didn't need to pray. He just <laughs> – he could do whatever the fuck he wanted out there. And it's crazy because he did it in the league, really. I mean, um, it still was just still startling to see a dude like, I mean, I know him. and We are the same height. And I'm just uh. like, how is it possible that you do this? Like, <laughs> I still to this day don't understand it. Like, you know, I've watched him play in a variety of settings with nobody there, you know, like right. in open gym things. And I'll see dudes, they're almost blocking his shot. And you're like, oh, regular. But they just don't. Uh. He just knows how to play the game. Um, and that was, you know, that game was the culmination of his career um, at UW. Um, he, he put us on his back in that one. Uh, and then you knew he was, I mean, like watching the game, I knew he was going to make that shot. Like, and he, he, in the he, final he, possession, they couldn't, they couldn't, nobody could stay in front of that guy. You know, oh it was my just, God. So you know, great. I had actually saw him like maybe the summer before 
play at Vista one day and like a, before the pro-am got big, it was like in like just a regular gym mm-hmm. in the South end. And he only shot from the, the uh, free throw line on both sides. He did this for an entire game and might add 60 points. <laughs> and like, that's kind of, you know, he got, he knew how to get to whatever he spot it was. He was just working on that that day. Oh my God. Uh, I love that stat, by the way. Five nine, five foot nine inches tall. I don't know if he's five nine. Oh my! Because I don't think that's... I'm five nine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to put five nine in perspective, here are some other famous people listed at five nine. Steve Carell is five nine. <laughs> yeah. Larry King is five nine. John Bon Jovi, JBJ is five nine. The immortal Julia Roberts listed at five nine. And oh, and shit. lastly, Adolf Hitler, noted bad guy. Adolf oh, Hitler yeah. listed at five nine. Yeah, Can maybe. you imagine Adolf Hitler or or Julia Roberts just getting to that spot at the free throw line extended <laughs> and raising up, hitting a game winner? I mean, it puts it in a different light here. Uh, yeah. A couple more stats. UW did have four NBA players on this roster. Of course, Isaiah, Justin Holiday, freshman Terrence Ross, and Abdul Gaddy, who I just learned about today. Arizona. Abdul, yeah, all right. So Abdul Gaddy was like a highly ranked prospect, and he just didn't end up panning out. But I think he was like John Wall's year, and he might have been behind him and like God. point guards nationally. But yeah, he, I think he's still playing. He might be playing in the G League still. Um, but Arizona. yeah. Does that count as, I mean, I don't know if he's, has he logged NBA minutes? I, I mean, I think like being on, like, you know, me finding him on an Oklahoma City roster, and I think playing in the G League means you've made it to the league. I think. Okay. I think if you put on, in my by my definition, if you put on a G League jersey, you're, I think you're in the league if you say that. It's a great question. One that Matthew and I actually <laughs> debated over text. But <laughs> four guys for you, Dub. Arizona only has two, Derek Williams and Solomon Hill. So four NBA guys versus two. Maybe less of an upset than one might think. This, you know, I, the upset being part of it here that uh, Arizona was finished the regular season ranked the 16th team in the country by the Associated right. Press. You, Dub, finished the season at 23. I miss rankings. I think rankings should exist in every sport. I don't care how you decide who's number one, but I want to know who's the number one seed and who's the three seed. And I want it mentioned during every intro to a game. It's the number one seeded Los Angeles Lakers. <laughs> I don't care how you yeah. come up with them. I just think that rankings should be important. Your thoughts on that. Right. Um, yeah. I, I'm not into all this, like uh, the <laughs> Ken Palm rankings and all this bullshit. Like who cares? Like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> What is the AP saying? What is the coach's poll saying? The rest of it. I mean, honestly, our team hasn't sniffed any of that shit in a long time. So <laughs> I just kind of get that out of my mind in general. Like, you know, I unfortunately you know, in Seattle, we have like a lot of Gonzaga fans that decided they're fans of the winning team, even though Gonzaga is like five hours away. Like it's nowhere near Seattle. And <laughs> they'll start telling me about you know, oh, but the Ken Palm, I'm like, I don't give a fuck. Like, you guys are not winning the title, so I don't give a shit. And all you guys suck in the NBA. So <laughs> Arizona had won 12 of their last 14 games heading into this uh, Pac-10 championship, including four straight. Um, after the loss to Washington, Arizona goes into the tournament as a five seed. They knock off the 12 seed Memphis in round one. They upset the four seed Texas in round two by a point. Then they blow out the number one Duke 
in the Sweet 16, the top seeded Duke Blue Devils. And apparently I was at that game, which I don't really remember. <laughs> if you listen to the show, I went to the game with Nick Bernstein, who's the the uh, uh, vice president, senior vice president at CBS that oversees late night. He took me to that game. I really don't remember it. All I do is make fun of that. I'm really, I think I'm a bit of an ingrate. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Arizona eventually loses to the champs, the Yukon Huskies in the Elite Eight by only two points. Uh, that of that game, of course, ends with Arizona missing two wide open shots to win the game. Uh, I I think that this I think this is all important because Arizona wasn't some cupcake. They weren't some no, they weren't. team. They they, weren't. they they got they just got beat by UW in this Pac-10 championship. Yeah, I mean Arizona every year is going to have a squad. I mean they right. don't they're not recruiting from the bottom of the barrel. That's um, true. I mean, I, I can remember being a kid, like when I first started going to UW games and seeing them just beat the shit out of the Huskies. And they had like <laughs> Sean Elliott and uh, Kerr and uh, I think Kenny Lofton was on that team too. Yes, he was. That's right. <laughs> Colbert. I don't know. They had a bunch of guys in the making in the NBA and they beat the fuck out of us. Like, I mean, <laughs> like by like 30 regularly, you know. Um, so that to me, that was always the bar, them in UCLA as far as basketball and the Pac 12. Or Washington, or whatever it was. Yeah. Washington goes into the tournament as the seventh seed. You guys bounced the Georgia Bulldogs, but then was fall nice. to North Carolina in the second round. You lost by three points. Do you remember what happened at the end of that game? Well, I I remember. I'm not even going to say his name, but I remember our our other guard who was an IT shot like a half court shot with like seven right. seconds left. Yes. And <laughs> I still don't. I mean, it's I don't understand what happened there. How did we get there? I mean. How did, I mean, beyond like just the best guy should have the ball that's like makes the, the you know the plays in his moment. Like he, you know, clearly obviously a brain fart. Um, but yeah, we were fucking right there with them. You know what I mean? I don't remember who was on that North Carolina team, but they're North Carolina. I'm sure they had a lot of guys. It you know? was. So I of course did not see that again. Not not a big giant college basketball game. I compare college basketball to student films. I don't watch student <laughs> films. I watch the movies from Hollywood. I watch the NBA. I don't watch college basketball. So I did. I you know in researching for this, I went and watched that. And to watch the end of that game against North Carolina, to watch that kid, you're not fucking around. With like seven seconds left, he jacks up a half court shot. It goes out of bounds, and everyone on the court is baffled. It, it, it was it was really baffling. I think I watched that at South by I don't what year was this again? Like 2000... 2011. 2011. That sounds about yeah. I think I watched it at South by which like with a bunch oh. of other music people, and yeah, that definitely <laughs> fucked my day up. But um, I love. I college. mean, it was one of those where like, damn, are we really going to beat North Carolina? <laughs> like, we're in the game, you know. It's like some shocking ass shit. That's not something that Washington does in basketball. So. Um, college kids are the best college kids they're just kids they don't understand anything so anytime there's like a college basketball game that's good like the one we're we're going to talk about right it's it's to me it it makes it extra special because i know the people doing it are stupid college kids and i I don't just i don't mean that in a super negative way every kid that's in college is dumb like they're we're just you're all dumb at that age and so, you know, it, it perfectly exemplified. By well, I think in general, work. like I'm reluctant to like criticize, you know, college athletes when they fuck up because it's like they're, you know, they're they're children, they're kids and they're not, yes. yeah, especially at that point, they were getting paid. And right. all this like the whole happiness of this entire area is on them, which is kind of fucked up. But when you win, it's great, obviously. Yes. Um, yes. But yeah, that was a uh, that was that was clearly not. 
not one of our finest moments. <laughs> it's a blur. Uh, I still don't understand. Yeah, seven seconds. It was really weird. I mean, it's so odd. It's so strange. And if you haven't seen it, go to our Instagram or, or our Twitter at First Ballot HOF on Instagram at First Ballot Pod on Twitter. We'll put the clips up. It's a, it's truly it's a blast. It's a lot of fun to watch a kid just jack up a shot and everybody be like, <laughs> "What the hell are you doing?" Someone had to have yelled at him. What the hell did you do that? For? I think he must have just thought the clock was running out. I mean, this is clearly the only thing that could have happened. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what else. You know, how do we, how we get there besides that? Not like you know, it wasn't a guarantee somebody was going to make it through right. anyway. Right. But that was not going to work. <laughs> we got to move to our next credential. That's the eye test, Jake. What did you see in this moment as you rewatch it? What did you see in this moment that might give it that extra sort of special kick? That I, I think, man, I think the call that was made by the broadcaster made it even more special. Or uh, sure. the cold blooded and all that, like that. Just, I mean, the timing of it. It was, it was crazy. I mean, obviously, I'm invested, but even if I was just, you know, an impartial observer watching the game, I'd be like, damn, that was. That was a moment, you know, like those just don't happen that often. And, you know, even him dribbling it down, you just like, I just knew he was going to make the shot for whatever reason. I had confidence and I rarely have confidence in guys at the end of games. A truly legendary call, Gus Johnson, and I believe the name is Bob Bob Wenzel on the mic, but Gus does all the heavy lifting here. And it, it reminds me of that window of time where if Gus Johnson was on your game, it was it was going in the annals. It was going in the halls. Right. It was a classic just from Gus being on the mic. Right. Let's listen to the call together. Uh, the other thing that makes, before we play it, the other thing that makes this call special, he's answering a three-pointer that happened to tie the game just before it. That was deflating as fuck, right? Def- I mean, 100%. Like, yeah. We thought like the game was over. To, to do this, to, to tie this game, for Arizona to hit that three, it it had to have made Isaiah super nervous. Or, the I mean, the entire UW team probably got super tight, or you'd think that they would in that moment. So th- that's a that, to me, is one of my eye tests. The fact that the, the Arizona kid hits that big three right before, and it lends itself perfectly into this call. We're going to play from that Arizona made three all the way through the end of the game. Let's listen to okay. it. it doesn't get much better than that and even the 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 shot went in as the buzzer sound like you hear the switch like that that's the kind of shit that's 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 on the driveway type shit that's right (laughs) that's not normal i don't know i think it everything about him he had to be crazy to think he could do this anywhere, mm-hmm. let alone mm-hmm. high school, college, <laughs> NBA. There's the dude's just he's a different kind of guy. You have to have a different kind of belief in your brain because everything else is saying, no, you're never gonna do this, you know? So I feel like those kind of moments he wasn't intimidated by because he's crazy. He thinks he should make it. You know, like 
watching this watching this moment and reliving it really makes me miss Isaiah Thomas. He was really really good for basketball. He was great for the narrative. He was someone that fans connected to and believed in. I really miss that guy. Absolutely a delight to listen to you talk about him. The other thing I want to submit to you for the eye test. You mentioned um, it going in on the horn. That's the that's the type of stuff that matters. That's the type. That's that little thing that matters. Yeah. And also, by the by, he hits absolutely no rim. It is right. all strings on that shot. Dead. And, Dead. and right on the buzzer, that stuff matters. That stuff makes it more aesthetically pleasing. It makes you enjoy it more. It's that those types of fine details. I really appreciate you bringing right. up and, and wanted to make sure I got one of my own in there. And then the fact that he, as he celebrates, he comes right over to that camera on the sideline and he's pumping. <laughs> is just right in the lens. I mean, that's the type of stuff that with good direction, the camera guy being in the right spot, Isaiah recognizing the moment and playing right to that camera, all that stuff really matters and just makes the moment more exciting. I really love it. For sure. For sure. The other thing I want to say doesn't get a lot of attention. Isaiah's drive and kick on the on their on their possession before that he drives into the lane. The 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 defenders collapse on him. He kicks it out to a three uh, uh, that gets them the uh, that gets them that lead. A, a great play from Isaiah before that. So it's it's not like he hit a lucky shot and had a bad game. He had the best line of the night. And then ends up making the play before the. Play. I mean, he he really was the offense. I mean, Justin Holiday has had a crazy long NBA career, and it's really like a testament to his hard work and stuff. But he wasn't really an NBA player in college, mm -hmm. you know. Like I watched him four years. Now T. Ross, yeah, probably T. Ross had it, but there wasn't really. We didn't have guys that could create shots besides him effectively, and he wasn't as much of a ball hog as he could have been. I mean, right. In college, it's kind of hard to be that way because they can collapse. But he he was a good passer. He you know he he didn't really get his credit for what he was doing out there. Um, and even in the NBA, clearly everywhere he went, he he got buckets. You know, like it just very much so. I I, I never would have thought he'd score twenty seven a game in the NBA. I mean, that seems <laughs> really nuts that he did that, but. Uh, it, and then that was you know that's still even pre time. Like if if he's with proper health now, it's probably been 30-something. I feel like yeah. dudes are just putting up 60 a night now. I don't know what's <laughs> going on at this point. Uh, I And I love you mentioning – I just wanted one more one more moment here on Gus Johnson. An immediate plus two points if Gus Johnson's on the horn. That's just the fucking truth. Gus Johnson yeah. is as good as it gets. If we would have had Dom McLean on this, like right. all, most of the trash Pac-12 telecasts, <laughs> I mean – it just it wouldn't have had the same level of special. It it's just you know truth. like he just would have been like it's in good yeah great good job. <laughs> what does Isaiah in his career? What does Isaiah in his career mean to basketball fans in the Pacific Northwest and from Seattle? What does what does he mean to you guys? Um, I just I think just him doing it at that size and, and hitting that level, all star, you know MVP contender. It just makes anybody feel like it's possible and that mm -hmm. that just applies to anything you do right like mm -hmm. he's not supposed to be there i'm from seattle i'm not supposed to be doing what i did with my career so i think i could relate to it on that level in a lot of ways you know um that gives me it's, they aren't you know it's not a traditional route like mm -hmm. most people are from la or new york or you know they moved to la or new york and i never did that you know like and 
he's he stayed repping Tacoma, you know, like he still <laughs> lives in Tacoma. He's a Tacoma guy. It's a half hour from Seattle, but we got, you know, he's one of ours. I'll take him. When they do something bad, we don't want him, you know. But like, <laughs> Jake, how does your music career start? Can you tell us about it? Uh, I just started making beats kind of as a hobby, like uh, maybe my freshman year in high school. I got hip to like old records and wanted to be a DJ, um, just being a fan. And, you know, over time, got equipment just kind of messing around with it was never something i thought like oh this is what i'm gonna do as a job like that just (laughs) it just wasn't really a possibility coming from here i didn't really have any examples of like people that did that so um as things just started to happen uh and played out it was a long period of time though you know i didn't i don't think i really started really making a way to like my late 20s you know so i've been at it for a minute but it wasn't an all-out sellout. I had jobs and you know did all kind of shit. So, um, what was the first track you you sell to a you know a major a big or, artist? Yeah. Um, you know, I had a lot of false starts with a lot of that stuff because I did like songs from Most Deaf that mm. never came out. And I would get paid and stuff like that. The first one I think that that hit hit was the De La record, um, Rock mm-hmm. Cocaine Flow. That was oh, like the so first. Good. That's the first one I did where it was like people are asking about me and you know, yeah. I'm getting <laughs> people from New York, you know, hey, come to the office and give me beats uh, and get tied in with those people. And it just kind of everyone you make kind of leads to the next step. Um, and but that was the first one I was like, wow, this this really made an impact. And I want to say Cena was around that time. Um, I did a song on G in his first album around that time. That was the first mm-hmm. one I did that was like mega platinum and all that shit. Um yeah. Do you have like a do you have you seen the movie that thing you do that Tom Hanks movie that thing you do about the uh-uh. wonders you've not seen that movie uh-uh oh Jake I think you'd enjoy it I mean listen, okay maybe maybe now I'm I'm tipping my hand maybe everybody's gonna hate it I don't know I like it it's a Tom Hanks movie called that thing you do and it's about a you know a, 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 a they're like kids they're like teenagers they get together a band they have a one hit wonder that's the, the okay yeah they yeah yeah wonder and they they hear their song on the radio for the first time and they lose their mind it's a lovely scene do you have like a the first time you hear your song on the radio moment I had I mean I heard my songs on various like radio a lot but when we when I did Three Kings and I just happened to be in New York. <sighs> When that came out, and that was like, <laughs> it got premiered by Funk Flex for like 45 uh, minutes straight. Uh, that was probably the moment we were like, and then everywhere I went that weekend, it was just playing out of cars. Oh and I was God. just like, what the fuck? You know, I just, <laughs> that was, I, and it was just totally by chance that I just happened to be in New York. I was, uh, um, I was working with Benny Blanco on some stuff, and I just happened to be with him. And I feel like they, somebody told me, like, yeah, they're going to premiere today. So I, I was like, let's turn on the radio. And then it was just, you know, the bombs and, you know, all that shit, you know. Pretty so, surreal, you know, for, for a guy from where I'm from. That's that's not really supposed to happen. Uh, you you mentioned the the ball going through the hoop on at the buzzer sound and that thing mattering. You being in New York for that moment must have been really right. special. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I think even now, like when I have a big song and I might see it ringing off and like, oh, it's at this, you know, it's you see the reaction for it being played. Not the same as being there, you know what yeah, I mean? So yeah, yeah. that was that was something I'll never forget. Um, yeah. This podcast is about big moments. What's been the biggest moment of your career so far? What's the moment where if it goes the other way, maybe everything right now is different? Uh, damn, man. I I don't know. I can't even say. I don't I don't think it's I think it's just been a 
just a big build. Like I feel like every year I've gotten a little bigger. It's I never had that like huge explosion and then I felt like I dominated. I always felt like I'm just hanging on, you know, I'm like the fifteenth guy on the roster. I've been in the NBA a long ass time, but like, you know, sometimes I'm getting DMP C D. Sometimes I get to play, you know, like sometimes I might be playing in the Philippines or Bosnia or wherever the fuck. Like I'm a professional, but you know, I never really in control of my own right. destiny. Um so the older I get and the longer I've done it, when I get another big one, I'm like, how the fuck? I'm like last year with the J. Cole record, I'm like, how do I get another big song? Like, I'm 45 years old. Like, it's not supposed to happen. You know, I just feel like I kept, it just keeps happening for whatever reason, um, um, which is, I, I think the longer I do it, that's the part I appreciate more than anything. Uh, I think if I might for a moment say that, you, I think you have to have that mentality to keep going in such a tough business, but from right. the outside looking in. So, you know, I look at your career. I think it's absolutely fantastic. I think it's creative. I think it's been uh, proven with results, with sales, with awards, uh, what you've accomplished. Uh, I don't know, maybe every single person on the planet would, would dream about having the career you have. And again, you're probably going, I, I gotta I gotta do the next one. I gotta have the next one right. hit. But let me tell you, everyone else is looking at you going, that guy's fucking did it. That guy did it. You did it. It's really amazing. I hope you take Thank a moment you, with your family to appreciate what you've built. It's really I think, exciting. I think in these last couple of years, I don't know what it is. it's definitely like I look back and just like how you know. I I mean, it's weird. I think like, should I just stop? Like, is it over? Like <laughs> Is it, can it get better than this? But I still like doing it. You know what I mean? I just don't even, it's not even like a money thing or whatever. Like I just enjoy doing it. I might not do it as much right. as I once did, but I, I'm, I'm so much more efficient at what I'm doing. I mean, you do anything for this long, you should be good at it, I guess. Um, Check the rhyme. Shook ones part two. Uh, International players anthem. Those are my songs that changed my life. What are the songs that changed Jake One's life? Oh man, um, I'd say early, early on, uh, something like Run DMC "Hard Times." As a little kid, I just like, <laughs> I, I mean, th that's the stuff I know the words to. I don't really right. know the words to the songs I produced or anything that probably came out in the last fifteen years because right. there just was, you know, the singular focus I had on just listening to like songs of that era because there was nothing else to do. Right? We didn't. Yeah. We didn't have anything else. Um, that was one. Um, I'd say like the whole Mecca and the Soul Brother album as like I started figuring out like, oh, there's samples on these records. Oh, yeah, I'm going to go yeah, steal my yeah. dad's records. He's got some good jazz <laughs> records. And I'm like, oh, they use this on here. I'm like, oh, shit, I could do that. <laughs> Definitely like that album and other albums of that era. Um, and then later on, probably like Slum Village Players. Like I know yeah. when I heard that, I was like, okay, it's not just records. It's like what you do with them. Right. And I got to get a little musicality in what I'm doing. Oh, I probably should play in the right scale of the, in the key of the sample. Because <laughs> I had no clue. It's up until that point, I didn't even think about it, you know, because sure. the stuff I was into just wasn't necessarily based on that. It was really anti-fuck your theory mm -hmm. and every, all that. And some something about when JD came out, I was like, oh, this combines all the things I like. It's West Coast, it's East Coast. And um, I feel like some of that stuff just made me better. It just made me realize, oh, man, I don't got it yet. That's um, amazing. This is a blast. I'm having so much fun talking to you about everything. <laughs> to me, 
music is the ultimate art. It's cuts across all boundaries. It doesn't matter what country you're from. It doesn't matter what language you speak. It doesn't matter how old you are. The right song just turns you on end. It's crazy. It's I often say it's the it music is the thing that is the closest to true blue real magic. It will make you go from sitting to standing up and dancing and like moving your arms. And if in any other circumstance you did that, you'd be insane. <laughs> yeah. It's truly magic. You're like a magician. You're like in a way, by definition, a warlock, Jake. I just want you to know that. <laughs> oh, and, and to me, you have the ability in your career to make art your way. And then if someone else hears it, they go, oh, wait, I'm inspired by this now i want to write a song to this and put who is the guy that you know you that added to your beat that was inspired by your beat and then throws lyrics on top of it and you hear it and go oh my god that's way different than i would have ever expected do you have like a, a beat that you were like this is i would have never done that but this guy did something completely different and now i fucking love this song do you have a moment um like man there's been a lot like that especially recently um I mean, I'd say one idea recent that I just, when I heard the beat, I was like, eh, even, I mean, I just didn't think it was a great beat. Mm. Um, was this song I did for Kodak Black called Calling My Spirits. Um, and I, I don't know, even when I made the loop, I was, you know, I don't, I remember like just railing against acoustic guitar at one point in my career, like fuck acoustic guitar. I want that shit in my beat. <laughs> and then I made this acoustic guitar loop and it ended up being a big song for me, Ugh. but it was really him and what he did on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes it go. Um, That's fascinating. And there's other songs I, I might do a beat that I think is like the shit. And then the song just doesn't turn out cool. And nobody gives a fuck. So like... <laughs> That's the stuff I can't control, right? Because I don't write the song. Um, I mean, obviously with Tuxedo, like I make a lot, most of the beats and like I'll be in there with Mare and sometimes I'm like, damn, how did he come up with that? Because I was hearing something totally different. And then, we, you know, we just we just got together for the first time in like, man, maybe like four years, three years, some shit in the studio to work on a new album. And like, I had to like, it's like a weird psychology thing of being like, Nah, he's kind of usually right, but how do I get him nudging my way, how I want it, you know, without fucking up his vibe? And it's it's it is a whole different game. I mean, that's why there's certain guys that like might not even make the music, but they go in there and they're like life coaches and shit. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know if that's that's not what I excel at. I excel at just making the music and giving it my and getting out the way. Um, <laughs> but you know he. Some of the songs we've done, I, I would have never thought, you know, we weren't doing this to like really make a group and go around the world and for fans. That wasn't what we did it for. So like that that happens, it just it just showed me like, oh, I just got to do what I like. And that's all that matters. Like uh, another thing to me that makes music sort of the ultimate art is that you can look sort of absurd and crazy making it. I watched your rhythm roulette, which is a series <laughs> that I love. You are like sitting there, you're like smacking buttons and like sounds are playing. And then nine minutes later, there's this like banger track. I, I, it's just <laughs> fascinating to watch. Music is insane. What is there another song that would surprise us that you worked on? I played the John Cena track at the top. Is there uh, another song that would shock all of us that you worked on? Uh, Macklemore Downtown. I co-produced oh, yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, of course. That's that's a that's a random one that nobody's like, yo, man, I love this song you did for Macklemore. <laughs> I never get that one, even though it's a big song. Um, 
it's it's weird. I, I and then like with tuxedo, there's people are into that that don't really they don't know shit about my hip hop side. Totally. So, um, and then like some of the hip hop fans are like, yeah, I don't know what you're doing with the other dude. Like, that. <laughs> man, what's what's weird? You guys are like a wedding band. I remember when it first happened. Like that's how all my hip hop homies were like. Like, yo, you guys got a wedding band? It's just kind of good though. I like it, but you know, they just didn't know what to think. You know what I mean? I get it. Shit, I wouldn't know what to think either. That's so, so yeah. funny. <laughs> I've had a really strange career. I mean, I, I at this point, I just like I look at the names and I'm like, how did all this happen? You know, how does this, you know, these things go together? Uh, let's uh, let's dive back into our moment. The next credential is our test of time. That's when we compare this moment against other moments like it in history. A lot of game winners, a lot of buzzer beaters in the NCAA. Leitner's perfect game, fantastic. I don't know how you beat that. It's one of the greats. Valparaiso beats Old Miss on Bryce Drew, sort of famous tournament shot. Butler beats Gonzaga. There's a there's a Pacific Northwest reference. Do you remember that shot when Butler beat Gonzaga? I was very happy about it, yeah. <laughs> I think the when one your team com- sucks, you just have to like root against other teams. And that's <laughs> that's right. Um, I, I've invested a lot of time in hating on Gonzaga. I, I do not like them. I don't really, I don't fuck with that whole side of the state. Like, I don't like the blue and red. Like, I'm good on all that shit. Um, we are a lot of like, I am the same way. If my team is out of the playoffs, I want the earth to open up and swallow your team. I want you guys all to lose and I want to enjoy it. Right. Um, I think the moment that this one compares closest to is Kemba Walker's buzzer beater that happened one day before Isaiah hits this buzzer beater. Let's watch this moment together. Walker with seven. Got a mismatch. Walker on the game with four. Kemba Walker. Step back. Walker. Cardiac Kemba does it again. UConn wins at the buzzer. The cardiac Kemba call in the garden. I mean, he... And and they got the you know they won the title that year like That's that right. was fucking he I mean <laughs> incredible player it's crazy how like you know guys can get hurt and it's like it turns into like oh well you know they're not the same but it's like but look what they did yeah. at one point like him, him and it kind of had a similar careers totally. you know really in a lot of totally. ways um, it had more success with winning probably because he just was in a better situation but. Same kind of just unreal. You couldn't stay in front of a guy, um, and the defender really has no chance. It's just on them if they miss, basically. And this defender, I think it's Pitt they're playing. This defender falls in the middle of <laughs> when you get a dude to fall on a game oh winner in tournament. That is that's the shit. That's it's it's tough, you know, when you can immediately pull a Kemba moment the day before Isaiah's moment. Uh, you know, it's tough. You got to ask the question: How many of these are we going to put in the first Bell Hall of Fame? This is very serious, Jake. I know this feels I, like I it's think just a I think you know all these things are relative to like you know you know who what you're a fan of, and I'm sure like uh, you know. Eastern Oregon State or whatever is some guy made a shot like in a tournament game there that they they think is the biggest moment ever and we don't give a shit about it but at least like in another thing I'll say about IT shot there was a good crowd there yes. you know I don't know if you watched some of these other Pac-12 tournaments I mean it looks like I mean is Jazzercise going on there I mean there's just it's literally like 13 people there you know like so that that was cool that they had a good turnout for that one um Pack 12 we just got to do better, man. <laughs> the next credential is the press conference. Any great quotes from this moment? Let me read you a few. Here's one. 
Quote, I knew I had a smaller guy on me so I could get the shot off, and I just made a little step back, and God made the ball go in the hoop. How about that? Isaiah oh, says man. God made the ball go in the hoop. That's 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 pretty good if we're, if we're deciding. My, my favorite taunt right now, and I even do it, and there's nobody I'm taller than usually is the, like, you know, the – Yeah, that too low. He's too little. It's just the silliest shit ever, and – he kind of said in the press conference in a real moment, you know. <laughs> Arizona's coach, Sean Miller, after the game, calls Isaiah, quote, a little monster. That's a great <laughs> nickname. Maybe Isaiah hated, like, the little part, but that's fucking yeah. branding. I can't believe he, we didn't all call him the little monster. That's a great nickname. I mean, he, you know, li- little big heart, you know. I mean, that's that's the thing, like – and, you know, we got, we had Nate, Nate Robs from here, too. And it's like there's only two guys that played way bigger than their size, right? That's the truth. Um, IT just had, like, more of a, a in-between. Nate was, like, 0 to 100, and that's it. Yeah. He didn't have the middle game. That is, a, that is a lovely roster of guys you guys have. Brandon Roy, Isaiah, Nate Robb, Jamal. You guys have a lot of bases covered. It sort of sets up a nice picture of Seattle. Well, and, and, the, and recently we're starting to get the uh, – starting to get the like big guys in there. We got the McDaniels brothers, mm-hmm. um, Paulo Banchero. There's a lot of, you know, DeJounte Murray, big guard, um, Kevin Porter Jr. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's been crazy seeing the evolution of it. Um, and every year there's somebody in, in a Metro that's going to make the NBA. It's just what happens. The next credentials, burning questions. The, the I don't have any burning questions about this moment. The moment <laughs> speaks for itself. I, I want to ask you more questions about your music career. Who is the music producer you look up to? Who is like a music producer you really admire? Um, I mean, probably I'd say Premier. Premier is still like the gold standard for me. He just he made so many songs that I love. Um, and it's just one of those things. I just feel honored that like he looks at me as a peer and I get to hang out with him every once in a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just and bombard his ass with questions (laughs) and annoy him like that. I just that's that's the dream come true to me. I mean. The, the guys that I looked up to have all kind of like pretty much stamped me, and that's all I could ever have asked. That's you know? thrill. What a thrill. Uh, I have a friend named Michael Torpy. He's an actor. He's a really talented actor. He's going to be on the show at some point. Uh, we talk, he and I have talked about the moment a lot, that moment in a studio where you hear the song for the first time. Like you've seen the artist. He writes the song. He goes in the booth, lays it down. And then you you put it on and you listen to it as a group. The excitement that must rip through the room and through your body as you listen to this and go, oh, shit, this is going to be a hit. Do you have a mo- – tell me about that moment. You know, What's that you like? know most of the times um, I made big songs, I wasn't there. I just, like, gave them the beat. Right. Um, I will say, like, when Tuxedo was working on the first album and we were in New York and we made uh, our biggest song, the song called Do It, um, I remember hearing him do it like the first couple of passes. And I was like, damn, this, this might be one. <laughs> and then I, the reason why I kind of felt like, oh, this is going to be special is uh, Lord Finesse is like a good friend yeah, of mine. Yeah. He comes to the studio. You just don't think like tuxedo Lord Finesse. That makes no damn sense. But anyways, <laughs> he, he happened to come that day and he was like, he's like, man, I like this. I'll play uh, this. He's like, I will. And then I was like, oh, we're good. Then. Oh, you know, that's like, fantastic. <laughs> What an amazing story. You and you and Mayor as Tuxedo had a tiny desk concert. What was that like? We did. Man, that was a trip because you go in there at like 10 o'clock a.m. and you're really just like in a fucking office space. Yeah. Uh, 
and you got to turn it on. Um, <laughs> I was nervous because I was like, damn, a lot of people are going to watch this. I just don't want to fuck up. Um, that was my main thinking at the time. Um, when I look, watch back, I'm like, oh, it turned out pretty good. Like, we did, we did a good job. It's a lot um, of fun to watch. Whenever, whenever you're hitting, like, people that are outside of your fan base and whatever you're doing, mm-hmm. it's just a little scary. It's like whenever we open a show for somebody that's not really in our demo – like, it's kind of terrifying because you're like, damn, they're not here for us. They don't give a fuck about us. You know what I mean? Like, and you feel that pressure. Um, but Tiny Desk was cool, man. Um, shout out to uh, shout out to Bobby um, for putting us on there. Uh, the next credential is the X Factor. Everybody knows what an X Factor is. Is there an X Factor to this Isaiah moment that, that makes it extra special and might get into the first ballot Hall of Fame? I want to pitch you one, but do you have one? Um, I mean, for me, it was just that, um, the X factor would be I'm just just Husky the history of Husky basketball. Mm-hmm. Like we hadn't had one of those, right. you know. Like I'm sure guys had made buzzer beaters, but not in that moment. Yeah. I don't remember us. I think we we won Pac-12 championships, but not since the tournament had come around. Um, you know, the oh, things we've had to celebrate have kind of been few and far between. So <laughs> I love I love answers that are like regional and personal and specific I, I, because. That is for me is like an East Coaster now. I don't and grew up in the Midwest. I don't watch a lot of Pac-10 or Pac-12 ball. Right. So for to hear that be of importance to you is is fascinating. The thing that I wanted to, to pitch to you, the wave off, which I didn't think much of <laughs> until I started reading about it. Uh, L- Lorenzo Romar, coach of of the Huskies at the time, and by the by, fantastic name. He has a quote where he goes, the last possession, Isaiah gets the ball, and I'm looking at his face. And he had known me so well that he knew what I was thinking, that coach probably wants to call a timeout. And he looks at me, and that's when he says, I'm good, we're good. And that was the wave, as if he's saying, we got this. He waves the coach off. Yes! (laughs) That's amazing. Was he wrong? We saw two games later what happened when he didn't have the ball in his hand at the end of the game. So, (laughs) I mean, shit. Like, he was fucking, he was right. You know? Here's IT on all the smoke with Matt Barnes and and Stack Jack. So, the shot, um, that was, that was everything because obviously it was on national TV, championship game. Gus Johnson calling it. Gus Johnson Mm -hmm. in Staples Center. You Mm -hmm. know, Kobe's my favorite player. So, it was like, that whole last possession, I was like, man, this is what Kobe did. This is what I, <laughs> And my coach, for the first time in my little college career, when I told him, it's good, I got it, he was like, okay, go to work. Mm. And I was able to, you know, isolation play at the top of the key. I think yet the the, the day before, Kimball Walker hit his step back. Yeah, he made a So it was already ball, in right? my mind, that like, okay, I, I might coming. have to go to the step back. This is my chance. And, you know, I did, I did a little crossover. He sat on the crossover. The step back got me my separation, and once I shot it, you knew it was good. I knew it was going in. These things matter. Doing it in Staples and loving Kobe, uh, waving, the, and then the coach having the restraint to go. Hold on, I'm not going to call the timeout. I'm going to get out of the way here. It just adds to these moments. A timeout to to go from game tying three Arizona hits to it hitting the game winner it's just a blast it matters when you're trying to decide the greatness of a moment those things matter i i appreciate lorenzo romar getting out of there uh, and i think uh yeah i mean he 
And Lorenzo wasn't exactly like a tactician with the X's and O's like that either. I mean, you, you see we have four NBA players on a team. Um, we actually had another team a couple of years, maybe a year or two after they had four NBA players that didn't make the tournament. So, I mean. <laughs> oh, Lorenzo. It, you, I mean, let IT go. Let him just do his thing. He was the best thing we had going. I mean, it just it just made sense, you know, like that made all the sins. Jake, let me ask you some Seattle questions. Uh, give me a Mount Rushmore of Seattle sports. Give me the four people who mean the most to the Seattle area. And it doesn't need to be the biggest athletes, but the yeah. four dudes that everyone in Seattle loves. I mean, I I would say Griffey. Yes. Griffey's arguably number one. Um, Marshawn. Oh, I love it. Yeah, there. I mean, they're they're <laughs> they won the title. Like we haven't won shit. That's that's forever. Like anytime that's I see ever. anybody from those teams, yeah. I'm like, that's you don't guy. understand. We never were we weren't ever supposed to win the Super Bowl. Right. So we did that, and we're never going to stop talking about. It. I don't care what happens next year. Um, for Sonics, it's either GP or um, or Sean or SK. Um, and yeah, I mean. There's so many other people. I mean, I think Jamal Jamal's range is just beyond just yes. the, you know his playing career because of what he's done with the pro am and just his legacy and the lineage of dudes that came up under him. Um, he's he has really played such a huge factor in keeping basketball alive out here. I love that. I'm going to allow all five. I'm going to put GPN and Sean on. on yeah, I mean, I feel like they go together. They go anyway. together. That's exactly yeah. right. They're a one-two punch. Uh, do you know the story? I just, I literally, before I hop on to, to start this recording, I saw this story. Do you know the towel story with Isaiah Thomas? No, he, he was playing. I think UW was playing Washington state in a close game towards the end. He had to go to the bathroom. Do you know the story? <laughs> no, he has to go to the bathroom. The coaches are like, hold on, go, go back to the locker room and go to the bathroom. And he goes, no, fuck it. And they, they gather around him and he urinates into a towel. <laughs> how about that i just read that it was like in the seattle times or whatever like your newspaper is so it's like it's like a real story i mean God, again he's, into like, a towel. he's a he's a crazy guy he like, is. You just don't <laughs> you don't average 27 in the nba without being crazy oh, like yeah. every time i see him and i run into him at a show or whatever it is i'm just like i'm just like how did you do that like i we're the same height. It just it just kills me every time. Oh, and he's 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 the homie. He's a great dude. So like, um, it's it's just I don't see how anybody couldn't take his story as being anything but inspirational. You know, just that against the odds thing. You know, uh, Jake, I worked on the Jenny Jones show. This is now about me. Do you remember the oh, Jenny shit. Jones show? Oh, come on, I I, I I watched the Jenny Jones show. There you go. I actually have a friend that was on the Jenny Jones show. At one Who point. Jude? Not well. I I definitely know Ruju, yeah, but yeah. um, ha, my boy House Shoes is on there too. <laughs> Who's you, a friend of Ruju from Detroit? Yeah, you yeah. know Rude That you know Ruju is so funny. I I met him like in the studio at some point, early two thousands, New Yorkish. He's days. a very yeah. funny guy. Anyways, I worked on the Jenny Jones show, which I've only brought up. And by the by, I used to take the paternity test, you know, and they're like, "Who's the father?" <laughs> I was the kid swabbing the inside of the prospective father's mouths and taking the the sample to the to the lab to get the the DNA test. That was me. I was the kid. Anyways, this is all a long-winded way of saying I spent one day in Seattle. I had I had to go to Seattle. I had to swab some dudes' mouths. I had to swab <laughs> some baby's mouth 
to, to figure out who is the father. And then, I, you know, I had the rest of my afternoon. I've never been to Seattle. Didn't know anything about it. All I knew was the Space Needle. If I'm in Seattle for one day, what do you recommend that I do? What's a good activity to do in Seattle if you get one day there? Well, more than anything, don't go to where the guys throw the fish because that who gives a fuck about that? Like, just first and foremost, don't go there. Pike Place is cool, but the fish thing, no, no. Um, just go go to any of the places that that have where the water is. I mean, that's to me the thing that makes Seattle special. Lake Washington, um, Puget Sound. You just want to go somewhere, hang out, eat some eat some good food, and and. And look at the beautiful view. Like to me, that's that's what I still do to this day, and I've lived here my whole life. So, <laughs> a great um, answer. Uh, and that's something that you can't do everywhere. I mean, I've traveled a lot at this point, and I, I go to a lot of these cities. I'm like, damn, it looks fucked up out here. You guys have nothing. <laughs> like, there's nothing that's like exciting about this. It's just flat, and it's none of that in Seattle. You know, we have beautiful mm-hmm. views and interesting topography and whatever. You know, it's it's just it's a unique place. Do you know the Perry Como song Seattle? I've I've seen that I, I know of the song, but I don't know like my, not not familiar. My old man was a gigantic Perry Como fan, and I love this song. I actually pitch it to the Dunk Comp guys. Do you follow Dunk Comp? You must love Dunk Comp. Yeah, yeah, I follow but I follow that account. I pitched to them and was like, "You got to cut together an old Sonics reel to this song, this Perry Como song, Seattle." I love it. You're talking about the beauty of Seattle. Let me play this song for you for a second. We'll talk over it. First off the strings <laughs> i feel like you could chop this up and make a hit out of it listen to this i mean i'm in uh, come on yeah the blue skies <laughs> depends on the time of year obviously um it could be a bit miserable this time of year um but you know, you gotta you gotta power through that, and I think that's why when it gets sunny, where everybody's so fucking happy because it's just you've been waiting, you know, <laughs> really been waiting on it. Uh, the next credential is our voting committee. That's when the family of the show, the listeners of the show, come and they want to weigh in and they want to vote on this moment. Today's voting committee member. Nick Bernstein, past guest. We just had him on last week. Nick Bernstein, he's the senior vice president of late night programming at CBS. He oversees uh, the late show with James Corden, the late, late show with James Corden. Good friend of the show, the official college basketball fan of the first ballot podcast. Let's hear what Nick has to say. Yeah, of course, you've got to put this Isaiah Thomas performance into the (laughs) first ballot Hall of Fame. There's no question in my mind. There shouldn't be any question in your mind. Mm -hmm. He's incredible. This was the first time we ever got to see how incredible he was on this Huge, huge stage that is the Pac-12 tournament. Uh, I think it was a back-to-back MVP, if I remember correctly, slash remember the Wikipedia entry that I read right before I started (laughs) recording this correctly. Um, That shot's incredible. The way he just bulldozed over that entire Arizona team was unbelievable. And I think Isaiah Thomas represents everything you want in this Hall of Fame. So uh, to even be considering or needing a second opinion... uh, I, you need to get your head checked, buddy. This is... <laughs> I don't this appreciate this. Undeniable. He knows. He knows what the why, fuck is going on. Why did I let him do this? Uh, <laughs> I I see the clock is running down. Thanks to Nick. Nick obviously votes yes. I see the clock is winding down on us, Jake. It's almost time for America's favorite podcast segment called More Important. Jake, do you know More Important? Of course you don't. You're a big deal. You've never heard this podcast before. You don't know this segment. <laughs> but are you ready for More Important? I, I think so. Right, here yeah, we yeah. go. Jake. 
The music scene today is strangely and weirdly dominated by TikTok. In today's day and age, if you're a good-looking child and you can dance, they let you make decisions for the entire music industry. As a producer and artist, what are you doing to fight this heinous change? How do you stop the TikTokification of music? Uh, I would say my Oh, my I'm effort... so sorry, Jake. We don't have time for that answer. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have time for that because it's time for something more important. The music's playing. Like There's a counter ticking down. This is intense. This is great. This is more important. The questions I'm about to ask you, Jake, are all way more important than any of the bullshit you were about to say. And your answer to True. these questions will define who you are as a person today on this planet. Are you ready for more important? I, I am. Here I we am. go. What is your favorite candy bar? Whatchamacallit. Oh, great answer. I love whatchamacallit. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, next question. Rappers want to be athletes. Athletes want to be rappers. We've discussed that. Two-part question. One, who is the best rapper you've seen on the court? And part two, who is the best athlete you've ever heard rap? Lil Dicky, man. Lil Dicky can hoop. Can go, that's right. <laughs> Dicky can kind of hoop. Like, don't, yeah. Great answer. Yeah. And who's the best athlete you've heard rap? Uh, man, that's hard because I, I've, I've heard a lot of them rap at this point. Um, <laughs> it's Cedric Zabalas, isn't it? Man, Cedric Zabalas kind of has some joints. Um, I'm going to give it to my boy, Martel Webster. Um, he's he's kind of, he's, he is really, uh, he is dedicated as fuck to rapping. I love that. Um, I mean, he's he's from around the corner. It's like, you know, it's my guy. I, he doesn't even care about basketball. It's it's crazy. <laughs> like, I, mean, I guess just like I don't care about music, so <laughs> we, we relate. Yeah. The CN Tower or the Space Needle? You got to pick one. I mean, duh, like fucking <laughs> Space Needle. Can you? Yeah, I mean, I when I went to Toronto, I was like, what is this fake ass Space Needle? That was my first thought. Yeah. Name a skyline feature as good as the Space Needle in Seattle. So think of all the skylines all across the planet. Name one other skyline feature that's as good as the Space Needle. Uh, I don't remember what it's called, but there's a crazy one in Shanghai that I remember no, seeing. I don't know it. I, listen, everybody, uh, everybody knows what he's talking about. You know the yeah, Shanghai. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would have also accepted the Eiffel Tower. What is the best musical act to come out of Seattle? Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Sir Mix a lot, lot to choose from. Who is the the musical goat from Seattle? For me personally, it's Ish from Diggable Planets. Yeah. I love it. Here we go. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks branding, their logo, the colors, the uniform, both old school and today, super hard. If you cannot say Seattle, that cannot be your answer. What's the best team sports branding again that's the team name the logo the color palette I'm, uniform i mean it's got to be the raiders right i mean it's i great. i hated Super the raiders great. as a child but just the way people adopt that they're like you know that's i'm a rebel so i'm yes. a raiders fan it's dumb as hell and they're stupid but <laughs> I, I just appreciate the the how they just stay down like their team is trash every year if you talk to a raiders fan you swore they won the title last year it's been since 1984 or some shit. Like, 
So yeah, I, that, I, I like the Raiders logo. What a great answer! You're right. Even just hearing someone go the Raiders, it's just such yeah. a great the Raiders. Uh, like who fucking cares? You guys suck. <laughs> You're not a factor. But I appreciate that you stay down. The branding is so good that it's like a great yeah. team to be a fan of, and they've been terrible for for a long, long time. What a great answer. Okay, uh, the last last question, uh, more important: best chain restaurant beef hamburger or cheeseburger, whatever you want. Best chain restaurant uh, burger. Shake Shack. A great answer. Yeah, it's not I mean, my answer, but this isn't about me. Jake, yeah. you did a great job and more important. You killed it. That was fantastic. Fantastic. The next credential is the cosign. The floor is yours, Jake. Does IT's game winner, Pac-10 championship winning buzzer beater over Arizona, does it belong in the first ballot Hall of Fame and why? I mean, it clearly belongs in the first ballot Hall of Fame for me because it was probably the last great moment we had as Husky fans in basketball. And um, I think what he went on to do in the NBA obviously even, you know, made the moment even bigger because it was really him showing Mm -hmm. what he could do on a national stage Mm -hmm. first. Um, But it was all of it. You know, somebody watched him all those years, you know, he – he, there was a lot it took to get to that moment. So to see him culminate that and make the shot and talk his shit and wave off the coaches, it's, come on, it doesn't get better than that. A great answer. It's time for the induction speech. That's when me, Neil, I get to decide whether this thing goes into the first ballot <laughs> Hall of Fame. I'm going to listen to everything Jake said. I'm going to take what Nick said into account. Every This has been a great episode. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. <laughs> but I have to be tough here. And I'm going to be tough. Here we go. This moment is fantastic. It's so much fun to watch. Let's 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 go through the, uh, a quick summary here. You've got a guy not even as tall as Adolf Hitler, right? He gets to his spot. He he waves off his coach. He tells his coach, "Forget it. I'm not calling a timeout. Forget it. We're going." He waves off his own coach. Gets to his spot. Takes the shot. Absolutely no rim whatsoever through the net, on the buzzer, turns to the camera, celebrates big. It represents UW. It represents the Pacific Northwest. He reps the, the, the city, the area, hardcore. It's the, You're right. It's the introduction of Isaiah to the national stage. And Nick is right. He's a guy that I want the first ballot Hall of Fame to stand for. And for all those reasons, this is absolutely going in the first ballot Hall of Fame. Congratulations, Isaiah Thomas, Congrats, the University of Washington. Jake won. Your moment is in the first ballot Hall of Fame. Oh, my God. Ah, thrilling. I'm exhausted. Jake, thank you so much for doing this show. I really appreciate it. How do you feel that this moment's in the hall? You must feel elated. I mean, I'm really happy for it, and now it just kind of makes me sad that we haven't any, had anything approaching this moment in the last 10 years. Oh, no. So, you know, hopefully we'll get this turned around, and, uh, uh, you know, me and Matt can maybe watch a team that's at least 500, um, you know, play at home. Shout out to Matt for for executive producing one of the best episodes we've done here on the show. Thank you so much for doing it. I had a blast uh, talking with you. How can people follow you? What can you plug? Anything to plug? Um, I'm Jake Uno on the Instagrams and the Twitters. Um, I don't, man, I don't know what I'm plugging at this point. I, some shit's going to come out like it always does. And hopefully people are going to listen to it. You know, Jake one fantastic guest. Everybody follow him. An amazing episode. Thank you so much for giving me your time. I really appreciate it. That was awesome. That's it. That's the show. My thanks to the snare Jordan himself. 
Mr. Jake One, Jake Uno. You just heard him kill it on the show, so you know what to do. Support that man at Jake Uno on Instagram, at Jake Uno on Twitter. Show some love. We're all we got. Credits. Robbie edits the show. Jessica produces it. Jessica, we love you. We're thinking about you always. Rhythm J makes all the beats at Rhythm J on social. The shout out today goes to Brandon Caldwell at underscore Brando C on Twitter. I appreciate him helping get the show out there. He works social at ESPN. He writes for Vulture, Pitchfork, and Entertainment Weekly. Check him out. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you. If you tweet about the show, you review the show, please let me know so I can shout you out. The show keeps growing. We're all we got. And please come back next week for more First Ballot.